Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh, and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. Dana White made me a liar in regards to UFC 249. Pat Bev moved on in the 2K player tournament while Trey Young crashed and burned. And then we get ready for the live horse event. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Burst Your Bubble. Remember to rate, review, and continue to share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Kyler, I know how much we both have loved what Anchor has given us as a podcasting platform. Ladies and gents, if you haven't heard of Anchor yet, you're missing out. Most importantly, it's free. Anchor gives you the ability to edit and upload your podcast directly from your phone to get anywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Music, Spotify, it'll be there. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listeners. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Kyle, you're looking good today, man. Uh, it's the first time we broke out the, the Zoom video for the podcast. So it's good to see you, man. Tell you what, maybe we'll put this up on YouTube. I think the people would enjoy it. I know that they would get to see my face, your face, the, you know, the things that we do while we record. It's a new avenue we can put out for the people. It's definitely some content they would enjoy. I mean, I, I think I've found my new way of consuming burst your bubble. This is how I'm going to do it all the time now. I'm, I'm excited for it. Did you, uh, did you work hard today around the house? Did you get anything done? You know, Josh, I didn't get much done today. Um, so today was a pretty somber day, you know, Thursday of the Masters of what's supposed to be Masters week, supposed to have the first round today. Yeah, exactly right. Um, so tonight was, they showed uh, the 97 rerun of the final round uh, when Tiger won his first Masters. Uh, so it was good to watch that. But other than that, I watched the 2K tournament, which we'll break down a little bit later. Um, that's about all I did today, Josh. What about you? You know me, man. I went to work uh, hard at it, giving out a uh, small business loan information to small business owners across the great state of Oklahoma. Other than that, I mean, that's, that's a lot what I did. I answered a lot of questions about small business stuff. And I came home, I played with the dogs and the wife for a little while. Uh, and then I, uh, did I cook dinner? Somebody cooked dinner. It was probably me. Dinner was had. Well, I don't. To me, honest, oh, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't cook anything tonight. We ordered Domino's and we had it delivered, and it was a, a contactless delivery, so we did not interact with the the person doing the delivery. So that was a you know a good way to do that. Shout out to Domino's. Definitely a plus. Yeah, Domino's man. What did you get? Did you get a pizza? We did. We got two different pizzas, and we got a a cheesy bread. So I always get a thin crust pepperoni. And she gets a uh, chicken fettuccine Alfredo pizza with chicken and spinach Alfredo pizza. It's pretty good. I love that. That sounds amazing. So my favorite thing to get from Domino's is the chicken Alfredo in the bread bowl. Oh, it's so good. It's probably at least 4 million carbs, but it's so good. Yeah, that sounds like a big nap is what that sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, you know, this weekend is would be the perfect weekend to do that, Josh, normally with with the Masters going on. But um, on Saturday, CBS is broadcasting uh, the final round of the 2004 Masters, which was Phil's first major win. He, you know, obviously went on a streak after that. Um, he got three in three years after that first win in 2004. And then on Sunday, for the first time, they're going to rebroadcast the 2019 Masters um, where Tiger claimed his fifth. And both of those are going to start at around 1 p.m. Oh, that'll be a, a really good show, and especially if you don't have anything to do this weekend. That's a, something great to tune into. But, you know, that exactly what you said. You can uh, order a, a bread bowl, get a whole lot of carbs, and turn on the Master rewatch and, uh, and just take a big nap during the middle of the day. It'd be like just like last year. That well, I was napping until I saw, you know, Tiger had a chance. Yeah, you know that's, that was the, that was the thing. You know, like I, I pointed this out a couple of weeks ago, and you, you shot down the idea. But you know, if you fall asleep with enough, if you fall asleep enough times watching old sports, eventually you might wake up and it might seem like it's live. 
Well, I still don't think that would happen, but it would be nice to be able to. Re- I don't. I can't say it wouldn't because being able to rewatch that the Tiger winning the Masters would be amazing, and so I would definitely be looking forward to that. So yeah, you, I'm going to be too locked in for a nap. You may be onto something. You may be onto something. So do you follow the the Tiger Tracker on Twitter? Oh yeah, yeah. How does he do it? So Golf Channel hires him. He he's on salary. He just. He, man, he, he's got the inside inside information. He knows where he's going to be at. So do you think him and Tiger hang out? He said he took a picture of Tiger hanging out with his family during the quarantine. Yeah, he's not uh, – I'm not sure if him and Tiger hang out too much. He's, his identity is still is still hidden, so we're not even – I've seen some pictures of him um, – of who people think it's him in the background of some, of some galleries, you know, behind tiger, but that's still unknown. How do I know it's not you? I guess you don't. So yeah, you wouldn't be able to keep it a secret if you were that close to tiger all the time. Yeah. He would have been on the first episode. Yeah. he Yeah. We would have had him on here, but that, you know, that I think it's, I think it's awesome that golf does that. Uh, it's a, a great persona on Twitter and on social media to be able to, to, to do that provide us you know if you're not able to watch live golf which a lot of people just can't sit through it they'd much rather get the notifications from the tiger tracker because at the end of the day tiger woods is a lot more for golf than he does do to hurt it yeah you know and that tiger tracker man he's he's great at his job like he, he does a fantastic job and there's and there's a bunch of you know copycats and i don't want to call them copycats just you know guys that are kind of doing the same thing that you know either they track tiger they track phil or jordan spieth um, basically doing the same thing, just shot for shot during the tournament. And it's great to follow that if you're not able to watch it. Yeah, and I, you know, great job to those people who are able to keep up. But that Tiger Tracker, man, he he's the best at what he does. That's, you know, that's who all these people are looking up to, and that's where they probably got that idea. But, yeah, I'm I'm excited to be able to, you know, I I am sad because, like I said, we were supposed to have a, uh, a friend's golf group this weekend instead of uh, – watching the Masters, we were going to go out and play some golf and have a great brotherhood. Uh, unfortunately, uh, golf courses are closed around here, and that's uh, it's not going to happen. So, you know, that's that's a sad deal. But I actually saw a great idea, and I think the wife and I are going to do it. Um, it's, it's a thing called You've Been Egged. And so basically you take 12 to 15 eggs, and you go put them in a neighbor's house through the neighborhood, and you give them a little sign that says, you know, you've been egged. You can tell them why and da 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 So I think that we're going to look into that uh, and, you know, bless some families and help some kids out this Easter that may not be able to, you know, hunt eggs. They usually have to go to church or something. So I think we're going to do something cool for the kids this weekend. That sounds like a lot of fun, Josh. Just be careful with touching the eggs and spreading germs and everything. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll wear gloves. Definitely, definitely. It's not a great call on that. That's a great way to help out some – you know, some, some families in this unfortunate time, and I saw, you know, different, different, you know, police departments, things like that are going to different kids' houses to, you know, sing happy birthday or flash the lights at them, you know, for kids who aren't able to have, you know, birthday parties or have friends over in a time like this. And I think um, it really shows the American, what's the word I'm looking for? American pride, Oklahoma pride, the Oklahoma standard. Yeah, like the come togetherness of the country, of this, the people of the country to know that, you know, we're all in a time of stress. We're all in a time of sitting in our houses together, not doing anything. So bored out of our damn minds-ness. Yeah, anything like this, just to give, give each other a sense of community. It really helps. Yeah, definitely. You know, and this, this is a time where everybody wants to come together because everyone's stuck at home doing this, not doing anything laundry folding clothes be trying to be productive around the house binging netflix or watching old sports like you do so it's always good to be able to get out and even if you can't get out feel like you're getting out and have that opportunity so yeah definitely dude josh and speaking of that bro i was i walked and this is how i think i'm really going stir crazy and i think that i'm at like the peak crazy even though i think we have at least a month more of this maybe more I walked outside earlier and I thought, man, it feels it feels good out here. I might go for a run in the morning. I thought, wait, what the hell? I don't run. I, I, I need I need out of this house, Josh. I need out of it. Well, hey, running's not bad for you, but you're definitely not a runner. Uh, the wife and I were we've actually she she teaches a fitness class. She puts out videos every day 
uh, I do not. I try to do her video or her workouts when she sends them to me, but uh, I, we were talking about running tomorrow, and I was like, man, I just I don't really know if I want to do that. Now, here it is, uh, you know, late at, early in the morning, and we're recording the podcast, so waking up early to go run does not sound like it's in the cards for us tomorrow. Yeah, definitely not going to happen, but I mean, I Maybe do. you could take P for a run. Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to get back into running. I, I mean, it is kind of cathartic, like, besides the getting tired part, like, once you get over that and you're just kind of, like, moving all of your body and you're just, you know, not really thinking, it's just kind of empty, that's that's kind of cathartic. Yeah, you know, being able to do something, that's that's the that's the basis of it, just being able to do something. Exactly. So, Josh, we mentioned last episode that we wanted to do kind of a rewatchable, kind of like a book club for an NBA final series with the fans, with the listeners. Watch a game, recap it the next episode, or, you know, listen to our recap, then watch the game, or watch the game while you're listening to our recap. But the series, the two series we received the most votes for was the 2010 finals, the Lakers Celtics, and 2016 Cavs Warriors. Which one gets your pick, Josh? Well, you know, I'm I'm really torn between this because I was like, man, 2016 just happened. 2010 was so long ago. But then I got to thinking about it, and I was like, well, hell, that was four and a half, almost five years ago. So it's, you know, it really didn't just happen, and it was an electric series. So I think that my vote was going to be the 2016 uh, series. I, I think that that – it's going to be a good one to watch. It's it's, uh, it's electric, entertaining. It's got a lot of a lot of things to to break down. Coming into a couple of headlines here on Sunday, the NBA and ESPN have announced an upcoming horse challenge. So the competitors will be Trey Young, Chauncey Billups, Mike Conley, Tamika Catching, Zach Levine, Paul Pierce, Chris Paul, and Ag- Allie Quigley. Uh, they will compete first in. Obviously, the first, second rounds, and that will be on Saturday with the finals, semifinals and finals being on Thursday, April 16th at 8 p.m. How excited for this are you, Josh? Oh, I'm so pumped. I am ready to watch this. Uh, You know, like I said, I had the idea before they did. uh, I didn't, you know, broadcast it or go to ESPN with it because I didn't feel like they'd take it. But, you know, I threw threw around the idea to some, some of the people that I talked to and I'm I'm so excited to watch this, and I'm honestly I'm super excited to see a little bit of the uh, the veteran young buck kind of matchups to see uh, you know who can be more creative and who can make those difficult shots in the clutch. Yeah, I think that's a good call there, um, and I think that's why Trey Young and probably Zach Levine will and Tamika Catchings probably will get the early odds favorite um, just because of their ability to knock down the unorthodox. Uh, deep ball um, as well as you know crazy floaters deep shots um, from off the court different sidelines I think their ability to do that is going to set them apart and especially Trey Young uh, the deep ball especially Um, are there any matchups you're particularly excited for yeah I'm actually very excited for the Chris Paul Allie Quigley matchup I think that that's going to be my favorite one that I, I definitely tune into I think that Chris Paul is the master of those, uh, you know, finesse layups and the kind of uh, floaters that we've seen him do all year long and what he's done in his career. So I think he's going to be uh, one of the one of the creative ones. But, you know, Allie Quigley is going to be able to match him and uh, shoot from deep anywhere she wants. So uh, she's definitely a sharp shooter. So I'm wondering if the, if the old veteran and Chris Paul is going to be able to handle uh, Allie Quigley on the three-point line. So, yeah, I think somebody like Chris Paul um, is actually going to do really well in this in this contest just because he's a veteran, but he's also still in the league. So he's going to still have that competitive edge and still really want to win, whereas somebody like Chauncey Billups or Paul Pierce, you know, they've been out of the league a few years now. That competitive edge may have been – may have loosened up a little bit. And someone like Trey Young, um, you know – with the 2K tournament, we've seen that these kids don't really care if they go on national TV and get beat. So, I mean, you know, I, and I think that's completely different with, you know, the, the Chris Paul area of, of superstars. So, I think, I think Chris Paul is going to be a very formidable opponent in this, in this uh, first challenge, but I'm definitely going with Trey Young. 
So you think that so oh you're taking Trey Young to win it all? Definitely, yeah. I am not. I'm I'm actually gonna go with Zach Levine to win it all. I I do not think that Trey Young has the to be honest, I don't think Trey Young has the clutch factor to win a game like this. I think that uh you saw it in the three point contest. Uh you've seen it whenever he's performed in other things. You know, he's really fun to watch, he's entertainment, he's got that exciting factor. But I don't know that if it comes down to him and Chauncey or him and, uh, you know, Chris Paul, if they're R to R, S to S, I just don't see Trey Young winning it out. I think he's going to miss miss big shots when it comes down to it. See, and that's one of, that's one of the arguments I heard um, against this horse challenge is that there's not going to be, you know, why would they feel any pressure? You know, they're just going to be in their driveway putting up shots. And I, you know, I completely disagree with that just because, you know, they are on national TV and this is going to be millions and millions of people tuning in to watch a horse tournament featuring the NBA's top superstars, and WNBA top superstars. And people are going to be tuning in to watch this and they're going to feel the nerves for sure. But I think, I think you're a little off there with Trey Young not having the clutch gene. And I think that would have been proven right if, he would have played the final minutes of the all-star game instead of Kimba Walker. Um, I think team Giannis would have won that game just because they would have had someone to put up a three pointer um, when they didn't have anybody else to, you know, create a little bit of space and put up a shot. And that might've given Giannis an offensive rebound opportunity because he definitely wasn't getting the ball anyway. Um, I think, yeah, I think Trey Young is, is going to surprise a lot of people in that aspect. What happens if Zach Levine dunks the basketball? I'm pretty sure they said no dunking. I'm just saying, man, they probably did. But I, like I said, my money's not going on Trey Young. But here's a sleeper matchup for you. Uh, WNBA Tamika Catchings, I think she's going to upset Mike Conley in the first round. Oh, um, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Mike Conley, is, he's had a struggle of, a, of the past year. Hopefully, hopefully. And I don't even know. Honestly, I don't know that she's an underdog right now. She might be the betting favorite. I think she has to be. I, I would say that. Honestly, I'm probably going to find a way to put some money on this uh, if there's any bet lines, and my money is going to go on catchings. I think I think she beats him handily. I, I, this is super exciting for me. I, I, I get very excited about this horse matchup. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of fun that can be done with this. I think that Chris Paul is going to have a lot of fun with it. He's going to be my uh, OKC Thunder player to watch. Uh, I, I'm super excited to watch Chris Paul. I think Zach Levine is going to end up pulling it out. But one thing you said earlier about Paul Pierce not having the uh, the competitive edge or loosening that competitive edge, I think that Paul Pierce has a little bit, maybe not to prove, but to prove to himself because, you know, whatever your take is on Paul Pierce as a uh, an analyst or reporter, I think that he's going to want to show people that he can still make baskets and that he still has what it takes to, to win a, any kind of matchup there is. Yeah, I think that's a good call there. And another thing I saw people were kind of upset about is the lack of major superstars so far in the um, in the 2K tournament, the main one being, uh, you know, Chris Paul and probably Trey Young, maybe just big right now. I'm not really sure. Maybe the NBA circle, not not worldwide. But, you know, why not have bigger stars? You know, what are, what are people like LeBron James? What are people like Anthony Davis doing right now? What are people like, you know, like the Jason Tatums or the Kimball Walkers or, you know, the – the major superstars, what are they doing right now, and why can't they play in this? Yeah, and I've heard that too. You know, what about the expansion, including, you know, bigger-name stars, other stars? And and I don't know the reason for it. I, I don't know why they chose to do it the way that they did or exclude people that they did. I, I would assume it has to do with players wanting to engage uh, in this and agents wanting them to engage. So I, th- I think it's probably a little bit of, you know, who they could get and who they couldn't get. But I, I do think that the – the eight names that they drew are quality names. I'm glad that they uh, introduced some WNBA players into this uh, aspect as well. I think that uh, it, it increases the competition a little bit, and it puts some pressure on the guys because, you know, I, I, I'm i really hoping for a couple of upsets from the women on this. I think that's, I think that's to be expected. I think that uh, some of the women will for sure. I think you'll see at least one, one woman in the finals and – I don't want to say hopefully not two, just because I want to see my boy Trey Young in the finals, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw two in, in the finals. And I think another thing that was a major deciding factor in um, who was going to be in this, in this horse challenge was who had access to a court. Um, I mean, you see people like Jason Tatum. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have access to a court right now. Giannis? Giannis does not have access to a court right now. I mean, I think, I think that's playing a deciding factor in this. 
Um, and I think, I think players who don't have courts right now, I think that's the first thing they're doing once all this is over. So do you think that those players are advocating for the season to end? I don't see how they're not. I mean, I don't, if you're Giannis, if you're sitting at home for the next month, two months with your wife and newborn without a gym, I mean, yeah, he can leave and go find a gym, but then he can't come back. So, I mean, he's, he's at home for a while. I mean, would you want to come back and play or would you want to take the season off? Yeah, I can see both sides of that. I think that players like Giannis know that, you know, they're probably not at tip-top shape and they'd probably prefer for the season to either, you know, get thrown away or to have a big uh, training program to get them back involved into the season, in which I think that two weeks uh, and then an eight, six to eight game playing will be a lot of uh, help for these kinds of players who don't have access to a gym. Will it get them back to what they were at before the break? No, but honestly, it might be better for Giannis because he was injured before the break, and we don't know uh, the extent or what happened with that anyway. So I think that this could help a couple of those players who needed the rest. But whenever you can't get in the gym and get shots up, it definitely makes it more difficult. But if I'm playing at the level that these guys are playing at, I'm advocating all I can to play. I want to, uh, you know, prove this is my year to win the championship and prove that this is where we're at. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, I think that's a good point on proving that, you know, this was their year to win a championship. We saw LeBron James come out and say that um, – you know, if, if the season was lost, that this, this season, you know, he, there's a lot of successes that they had in this season, and, and he was proud of that. And I think that was a little discouraging to see. It was a little frightening to see, to be honest, just because LeBron may be playing with the thought of not having the NBA season to come back to. Yeah, it's definitely scary. I mean, this whole, this whole thing has been scary, and we've known from the get-go that there's a chance that the season gets canceled. We hope that it doesn't. I'm still going to advocate that it doesn't. I'm going to say that it's not because I'm going to continue to be the optimist on all sports. I want sports back. They need to hurry up. Um, I'm so ready for sports. Um, but I, it is scary when a player of LeBron James caliber comes out and says stuff like that. It, it, it puts it in a perspective like, wow, we may not actually get sports back. So uh, transitioning headlines here, Kyler, did you see the, the Brandon Cooks trade? Josh, Bill O'Brien is up to it again. <laughs> he is back to his daily shenanigans of trading away all his, all his, not only his good players, but his assets as well. The man doesn't need picks. First round, second round, what's a pick to Bill O'Brien when he's got Deshaun Watson, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, Will Josh, Fuller. I, I don't <laughs> You got a plethora of weapons, Kyler. Houston is building an arsenal down there. They've got David Johnson, Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks. They who else do you need down there? Josh, this is another case of your GM and coach being the same person gone bad. This is the coach making the decision that hey, I need a I need a reliable wide receiver in here immediately for camp. I need him for camp. I don't need him. I don't need him by week eight. I need him for camp. And that's what he does. He goes out and he trades his fourth round or second round pick, the 57th overall pick for an injury prone, a guy who's been traded to three different teams in five years, Brandon Cooks. And with that, with that 57th overall pick, we could have gotten Jalen Rager from TCU. You could have gotten Denzel Mims, who would have certainly been there, according to Chris McConnell, a couple episodes ago, in case you missed it. And those, they have much more upside with way less injury history. And with Will Fuller and Kenny Stills healthy, he becomes the – Brandon Cooks becomes a third wide receiver option. And then you still have, like you said, Duke Johnson and David Johnson, who are both more reliable threats than Brandon Cooks most of the time because he's not healthy most of the time. Well, and that's also a thing that you said, you know. Th and like Chris said a, a few episodes ago, this is one of the, if not the – deepest wide receiver class that we've ever seen why would you waste picks why would you waste assets that you have to pick up a Brandon Cooks who's a tap away from another concussion that could possibly put him out of the league it makes no sense Bill O'Brien the coach and the GM are in arguments all the time if you live in the same house as Bill O'Brien there's no way that you are sane because you know that he is screaming at himself over and over all night and he is fighting about what to do it blows my mind that he did this. Um, Brandon Cooks has a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential in Brandon Cooks. He could turn out to be a really good player for Houston. But at the same time, he's been so injury prone. 
from the from that point of it, it's hard to make that gamble if you're a GM making that decision on behalf of your team. Josh, trading the 57th pick and a future fourth, it's it's indefensible at this point. I understand he needs weapons immediately. He needs weapons for camp to you know build some chemistry with Deshaun Watson. He needs somebody. He needs some more deep threats. And certainly with Will Fuller and Kenny Stills, I mean health record as well. You know, Brandon Cooks could very well could very well be their first option. And something else that you know that, that people aren't talking about. Deshaun Watson ran for his life last year and the year before that. Instead of getting a wide receiver that can help him out immediately, why not get this man some help on the offensive line so that way he can actually throw to the targets that he has there? Yeah, or or just get a slot receiver instead of a deep threat. Get somebody to get, get the ball out of his hand quicker. Doesn't make much sense to me, Josh. I think I think that's that's, that's another reason that unless your name is you know Greg Popovich or or Bill Belichick, you, you just shouldn't be the head coach and the GM. Yeah, well, maybe we should uh, talk to the owners down there and see if we can get a job over in Houston. Yeah, I mean, unless your name's – unless you work for the Burst Bubble podcast, you shouldn't be coaching the GM. Well, I could be the coach. You could be the GM. Hey, there we go. That sounds like a deal to me. I'll let you draft, and I'll just call the plays. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you've been following me on uh, Instagram, Josh, but my uh, – NCAA coaching career has taken a, a great turn. I've accepted a job as the head coach at FIU after we fell short. Um, we fell short in triple overtime in the national championship against Ohio State. Um, I was the offensive coordinator for the Texas A&M Aggies and the record-setting Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans, but uh, it wasn't enough. But um, we will ride on and you know continue my legacy at FIU, and I'm excited to be there. So you talked about Mike Evans. Uh, that that brought me to a, a another topic I wanted to to pick your brain about. Jameis Winston came out today and said uh, kudos to him and that it was an honor that Tom Brady was his replacement in Tampa Bay. I love the confidence. I love the take, and I think he's exactly right. I think that, and I also saw the the owner of the organization said that you know even though Jameis was the first pick we would never call him a bust. And I think to even utter those words, to even think that anyone would call Jameis Winston a bust is, is blasphemous, it's libel, and it's slanderous. I think that as the Bucks' leading passer in yards, in yards for the franchise, he was the leading passer in the league last year. He, led the, he had 30 touchdowns. He did have 30 interceptions, but he also couldn't see. So I think to even utter the words bust and Jameis Winston the same sentence is slanderous and he should be taken to court. <laughs> well, I, I definitely agree that he's definitely not a bust. This is a great move from I don't the owner, the GM, whoever said it. It was a great move by them to come out and publicly support Jameis moving forward, uh, you know, for a different team. He's a bright star uh, and has a great future in the NFL is what they said. So that is good to see that he still has support from that franchise and that they want him to succeed. But at the same time, he has a strong point there in that if Tom Brady wasn't his replacement, do you think the Bucks would have would have drafted someone or would have brought someone else in to replace him? I don't know that they would have. They got a, you know, they landed Tom Brady who was the probably the best free agent quarterback there is and they landed him and if they didn't do you think that they would have brought in a Phil Rivers to replace him I don't think so I think they would have just because Bruce Arians was kind of done with the whole Jameis thing he had he had kind of had enough of of Jameis and I think that if they didn't get Tom they were going to bring in probably Phil or or maybe even Cam I think I think they were done with Jameis though I think Cam's a good point. Cam's a dark horse that I tend to forget about because it's still hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that he's not playing in Carolina. It, it's, it's still hard for me to, to gather sometimes. Yeah, and it seems like both, of, both Cam and Jameis aren't going to have jobs until after the draft. Um, looking forward, do we have any predictions for them? Uh, yeah, I think that I'm going to keep my, my bold prediction of Cam going to – uh, Miami. Uh, I think that that's where I'm going to stick him. And I'm still holding that hope that Jameis goes to New England. You know, they haven't signed anyone yet. Uh, I, that's who I'm sticking with. Uh, Jameis is going to New England and Cam's going to Miami.
I like that Cam to Miami pick a lot. And I think, I think that, you know, we've seen a lot about Jared Stidham, you know, a lot of praise for Jared Stidham from, from Patriots like, like Gilmore and, and Brady, I mean, not Brady, um, Bill, Bill Belichick. I think that Love, the third, should be considered just as much for that starting job as, as Stidham at this point because I'm, I'm almost certain that's who the Patriots are going to draft with their, I think it's the 23rd pick. And I think that he's going to come in right away and be ready for that starting job. And I think he's going to be more of a contributor than Jared Stidham would be. I'm going to disagree there. I don't think that they're going to take a quarterback that early in New England. I think that Bill Belichick has made his – obviously he's made his career off of drafting those late quarterbacks. Um, I think that you're going to see Love – there's a good chance he ends up in New Orleans. Yeah. I, I think that they're going to use one of those later round picks. And I think that uh, he's going to sit under breeze for a year. And I think he's going to take over that franchise. There's a lot of tension on uh, Taysom Hill taking over after Drew. And, you know, they, Sean Payton came out and said that they love Taysom Hill, what he's doing. But I just don't think – we've said it before. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. And I think they're going to bring in a guy like Jordan Love. But Jordan Love's the kind of guy that has potential to be starting on day one. A, uh, I think a dark horse to land in New England, honestly, is Jalen Hurts. Definitely, you know that was part of the uh, that was part of the kind of the joke with with you know the the conferences or the uh, the Zoom conferences for the draft getting getting hacked. That you know it's gonna be it's all gonna be fine and dandy until the Patriots get Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at all if that happens. Yeah, with the first overall pick, the Bengals, they're just giving Joe Burrow to the Patriots. <laughs> they're actually trading their first pick for a six-round pick. They're actually paying the Patriots to draft here. <laughs> That's the only – Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft are the only people that could pull that off and get away with it. Yeah. If it was anyone else, it would be a full-scale investigation. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Thanks for listening so far. A quick break here to remind all of you to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search Burst Your Bubble and our logo and page will pop up immediately. Also, be sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and following us on Spotify. This will make sure you get all the episodes the minute we release them. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a five-star rating and a review. Now here's back to the show. So, Josh, I won a sports bet. Oh, what'd you win? So, I put it on Twitter during the 2K tournament. Uh, you might have seen it from the Burst Your Bubble Twitter page if you're not following it already. Um, I tweeted that Pat Bev standing up and yelling at Andre Drummond would happen over under four minutes left in the second quarter. And the over hit. It happened with about five minutes left in the second quarter, so... Pat Bev getting into the game really early, and it worked for him. For the second time, he got in his opponent's head, and Drummond, Drummond just couldn't handle it. Well, and I think that, you know, it, it, it's like I said the last time we talked about this. It's the, it's the end. It's the end part. It's the second half when Patrick started. He laid the seed at the beginning. He started kind of got in your head, had you laughing, feeling a little bit insecure with a probably six- to eight-point lead. Then whenever he starts to make his run in the third, early in the fourth, he keeps talking the crap, and then you get even more irritated because you're starting to lose. He's starting to catch up, and you're realizing what's happening, and it's too late to stop it. And I think that's exactly what happened here. Yeah, you're exactly right on that. And he told he told Drummond that at halftime. You know, I think he was down five, and he said, and he said, Drummond, this game's going to even up. You know how two K works. The game's going to even up. And, and, you know, Drummond seemed like he was somewhat pretty used to the, the trash talk coming from, coming from Pat Bev. Like, he has some friends that, that probably act the same way. But, I mean, Hassan Whiteside in the first round absolutely folded under that pressure. And I thought Drummond was going to do the same thing, but he stuck around. It was a close game. But uh, Pat Bev, you know, with the ability to get in people's head like that and his pretty good 2K skill, he's not the best player um, left in the field. I don't think – think he's really even good at pretty good at 2k but the ability to get in people's head and take care of the ball I think is gonna end up winning Pat Bev this tournament oh so you've got Pat Bev winning now that's 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 a you know that's a that's a bold choice 
Yeah, I think I think Pat Bev with the with the people left. So next round he's gonna be facing Montrez Harrell, and uh, today Montrez snuck past Derek Jones Jr. Um, you know, no reckless accusations ever on this podcast. I'll just say that the NBA is done drug testing for the season, and we'll move on from that. And Montrez Harrell will be something to watch next next ep- or next uh, next round against against Devin Booker. Yeah, well, and it's a uh, it's it's a little bit of what you said going back to the Beverly game real quick. Did you see where Drummond sank the buzzer beater and Patrick Beverly thought he broke his controller? Because that's me all the time playing 2K. Dude, that's exactly what I mean. Like, Pat Beverly, he was just as invested in this 2K game as if it was NBA Finals Game 7. And that's exactly what we needed. I think I mentioned it a little bit in the last episode where, you know, the, we should, the, each team should have a tournament. And I think I texted it to you after – after the fact, after the, uh, after the episode. And I said each team should even host their own tournament on their own Twitch channel or on their own Twitter channel at the same time. And then the winner from each team tournament moves on to this ESPN tournament. And I think that way you would get a lot more players as invested as Pat Beverly, as, you know, as fired up, as, you know, characteristic, as, you know, almost breaking his controller because, you know, Andre Drummond made a buzzer beater in the second quarter. You know, players that care that they lose on national TV, players that care if they get beat by 43 points. I mean, you know. Expanding on your idea there of teams playing into play, because I love that idea. Here's another step that we could take. Five people, five players from each team, a my player, build your my player up whenever we get to this point in the year or right after the the finals are over if you want to do that do a pro-am tournament for five players from each of the teams and eliminate players like that that way it's your it's teams against teams but you're playing with your own people and i think that that is the key that the nba is missing to be able to get the the viewers that they need on this kind of thing if you can get actual teams on teams this would blow up I think you're right there, and I think that even expanding on that, we could team them up with actual gamers, actual professional 2K gamers from from their respective um, – because each, each NBA team has an E-League, has an E-team. So I think, you know, pair them up with a pro player? from each team. Throw one or two? Yeah, just go two, two on twos. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be great. Or, I mean, if, if you had the five players with the with – the, my players, you could do three NBA players and two of their league players in this tournament format, and that way you'd have a chance to, uh, you know, see a lot of the NBA player competition and have a little bit of the actual gaming in there as well so you'd hit on a lot of different aspects. Yeah, exactly. And like, like I said last episode, it's just about getting the best two play, 2K players in the, in the first round, in the televised bracket. Because there's no sense in having a 43-point blowout on national TV at 7 o'clock at night on a Friday night on ESPN. It's ridiculous to have something unwatchable on your TV. I don't, and, I, and it was pre-recorded, which makes it even worse for the NBA and, and Ronnie 2K, knowing that they had this product. It wasn't live. They, had, they were sitting on this product for hours. People watched it. And they still went out and put it on ESPN, knowing that these two players didn't say anything to each other for a full hour and the game wasn't close from the tip. So, yeah, and, and I agree with that. I think that these games have to be more competitive for the engagement. I, I do – it's the first time they hosted this. I don't know, you know, the logistics of who they could get, who they couldn't. I enjoyed being able to see a little bit of the – the competitive side, the gamer side of some of these players that, you know, aren't as good at 2K. I I did enjoy that in the first round. The second round was a lot more competitive. You saw, even if they weren't talking smack like Pat Bev does, you saw decent games. It was more intense. Uh, Let's go into into your boy uh, dropping that clutch, that unclutch factor again tonight with Trey Young losing to to Aiton. What happened there? Man, I tell you, like with these with these younger guys, and we've seen it throughout the tournament, the younger guys are going to come on come up on top. And you know, with Trey Young and DeAndre Ayton, you know, they're both super young guys. That was a super fun 2K matchup to watch. If you're a fan of 2K, if you like watching, you know, these guys play on Twitch, I'd definitely go go check out that game. It was a lot of fun to watch. And you know, these guys aren't, I would say, 
have any personality. They're not funny. Um, on Twitter, on in social media, on live stream, it doesn't matter. So, I mean, you know, they're not in the best situation to, you know, entertain or try to be funny just because that's not really their personality. You know, they're basketball players, they're not comedians. But, you know, Trey, I think the younger players will keep prevailing in this, which might go against my Pat Bev take, but I think Pat Bev – so the matchups are D-Book versus Montrez and Aiton versus Pat Bev. I think it's going to be Devin Booker versus Patrick Beverly in the finals. I, I completely agree with you on that take. But we have different championships. I think I've had Devin Booker winning it. We talked about it in our last episode. Devin Booker's going to win the tournament. Uh, and that's I, I've said that since since we talked about it last time. I think that Devin Booker is going to come out on top in this entire tournament. He's running – I'm telling you, he's running plays that normal people don't. But real quick, I want to go back to that uh, Trey young Aiton game. So this is Lakers-Clippers. This is L.A. versus L.A. Do you – what's your take on – how realistic this matchup was to what we would see uh, in the NBA final, or Western Conference Finals this year? Um, I don't think it would be too realistic just because uh, Paul George was taking most of the big shots for the Clippers throughout the uh, end of the game. And Playoff I think P. Gonna... I'm sorry? Playoff P. Yeah, and we saw how well that worked for us Thunder fans these past, <laughs> this past year, but uh, Playoff P might be a condition instead of a uh, – instead of – something good yeah i think it's a compelling matchup i think that i tend to agree with you the lakers would definitely come out on top but it's a it's two huge teams so uh trey young and deandre ayton were pretty much putting it all out there with these two teams i don't know who they would have used going forward yeah you know that's that's a good point it's going to be it's going to be exciting to see who they pick going forward because they did have to start with a list of seven teams you know and going forward it's now a best of three series so so they will be picking – will be playing with at least two other teams for, for uh, the matchup coming forward. I, I'm so excited about this, and I, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I, I'm excited to watch Devin Booker play. Devin Booker is – like I said, he's running sets that people other, – other 2K players, other NBA players don't even think about. He's actually getting detailed with how he's playing the game. He's playing it like an actual gamer. Devin Booker is going to end up winning this tournament. Gosh, over and over, you've been the optimist, and over and over, you've gotten our heart broken just because, you know, they tell us we're going to see sports, they tell us we're going to get it this date, and then it gets pushed back, it gets canceled, it gets postponed. Um, and this time it's the UFC. Um, and this time it was actually former CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, stepped in and made the call and pretty much what was the final minute and told him that this can't happen. And from what I've read and what I've heard, this was never an open discussion. Um, and in situations like these, um, high risk, high reward, you're on a time pitch, time pinch. You need someone to put together an entire fight card. You need someone to find a location for it. No one has ever been better negotiating these. Nobody's ever been better at putting together these events than Dana White. You need, a, you need a place to put it. I've got an Indian reservation that no one will ever know about, and no one will know where it's at. We'll have the perfect fights. Nobody, can, nobody will be there to protest. It'll be perfect. You know, Khabib, Habib is stuck in Russia due to global travel being shut down because of a pandemic. No worries. I've got another 155er who's already in California. We'll be fine. And if any other company had the television rights, this fight would happen. But Bob Iger and made the call for Disney as a whole, um, not just for ESPN, not just for, you know, the television streaming rights and all the, all the pay-per-view money they would have gotten. He made it for the publicly, publicly traded Disney company. So, and actually I saw that uh, Governor Newsom of California uh, reached out to Disney and that was the big, that was one of the big reasons that they uh, decided to make that call was that the governor said, Hey, We've got a lot of concerns. With, I've got a lot of concerns with this. I don't want this to happen in my state. So I, I think that that governor's phone call was a lot of the reason for this. Uh, I did hear that Dana White, I, I agree with you, though, that Disney was a big part of the reason that this got shut down. And it is, it's very su not surprising. It is very uh, telling that Disney had such a large role to play in the shutdown of uh, UFC 249. I, I was very excited for this event. 
I have been the optimist. I thought that I won. Uh, I thought that I prevailed. I thought that we were going to have the sporting event. Dana White in the interview today did say that the fight island is real. Quarantine island is real. Like you said, Castaway. Uh, I said the Condemned, the Stone Cold Steve Austin movie, The Hunger Games, whatever you want to call it. This is a real thing. It's happening. Infrastructure is being built. Dana White came on record today saying that he will be the first sport back uh, to participate at, since the coronavirus happened. Yeah, and I think that, you know, he did double down on Fight Island, so that, I can't wait for that. But, um, you know, I think we will see the UFC probably in hopefully mid to late May. But I think that's around the time we should get golf back. We should get golf. Um, from what I've heard, the first golf tournament will be the first week of June. So that is a definite date. Um, anything earlier than that is completely speculative and probably not going to happen. And I think the same thing could be said about the UFC. Um, I'm not sure if if they're going to get back before golf or baseball. Um, and I don't think if, if they're not back before June 1st, then they won't be back before baseball or golf. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. So my, my thing on this is Dana White made me one. But Dana White's a liar. Why is that? He came out and said UFC 249 is going to happen on the 18th without a doubt. He's a liar. And he made me look like a liar in front of all my listeners. <laughs> and that is unfair to me because I listen to Dana White. He's a liar. Yeah. I think I think that's a fair take, Josh. And, you know, he, he should probably, you know, compensate you somehow. But, I, I, you know, if you did watch the, the press conference, he was – Man, he looked distraught. He looked broken up about this. He was not happy to be be announcing that that this fight wasn't going to happen. He was, you know, very reassuring to his fighters that, you know, you know, don't worry about the finances or anything like that. Like I've got, I'm I'm gonna take care of this. We're gonna get it figured out. Um, you know, I think that, like I said, if this was any other TV company, if any other company had the television rights that wasn't owned by Disney, I think this fight happens. I think that, you know, the the governor's wishes be damned you know we're on we're on we're on indian reservation you know you know I, I i respect your opinion but it doesn't fly it doesn't it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah we're we're a tribal nation i i don't know if they're uh you know federally recognized as a sovereign tribe but uh they're gonna do what they want to do i i definitely agree with you that dana, he, dana did look distraught dana he looked rough making that announcement he didn't want to do it there were a lot of things that i'm sure went into play there and but at the end of the day, he's a liar. But I, I, I understand management's position on having to listen to the governor and Disney saving face for what they want to do. You know, all, all this is understandable with the coronavirus. I am excited to get UFC back whenever we can. Mainly, my, you know, the big reason for this is because it's a sport. You know, I want to see sports as soon as possible. So in lieu of UFC 249, what I want from anyone listening um this will be on social media as well on april 18th i want everyone to start getting ready on april 18th i want as many backyard wrestling events as possible to flood my timeline and our dms on burster bubble podcast i want to see as many of your backyard ufc fights wwe fights whatever you're doing at home during the social quarantine you have one two friends over i want to see those fights and i i i would love to see that so as the co-host of Burst Your Bubble Podcast, I am not endorsing you doing backyard brawls, backyard wrestling, Kimbo Slice style, and sending them especially to us. But if you did post them, we probably would retweet them. But uh, speaking, going back to the Fight Island for a second, if we don't get the UFC for a while, um, you know, at least for, you know, until late May, early June, you know, Fight Island's going to happen. Dana White has doubled down on it. He said it's going to happen. The infrastructure's being built. And it seems like it could be a pretty serious, you know, long-term thing. Do you think we could see a show, reality show concept out of this, kind of like uh, a new spin on the, uh, the Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, I definitely do. I think it's uh, – and this might be what you're talking about, but um, with the – the old shows where they used to have teams where they would start doing the training. Is that the ultimate fighter? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely think so. I, I, that's exactly what I first thought about this. 
well, my first thought was the condemned where everybody fights to the death, but that your idea is way more uh, realistic in the fact that you could see teams going out to this island and training and using the island for different aspects, running on the beach, using the jungle for training aspects. I think that there's going to be a lot of benefits from having this fight island, as Dana calls it. I'm going to call it quarantine island. Uh, I definitely agree with you. I think this is going to turn out to be a long-term, long-term process and a long-term deal. I'm excited for it. I think it's a it's a great move by the UFC to be able to implement this in their process. Yeah, I'm going to call it Gilligan's Island, but I do I do think it's a great idea. I think it's going to be an electric show once we do get it. Um, it'll probably be on Spiker if that even if that network even is still around. Um, and so to clarify, to clarify uh, for a second ago, I if you do happen to make these, vi- I'm not telling anyone to make these videos. But I'm saying if anyone does... Make no, you definitely told them to make the videos. In lieu of <laughs> UFC 249, if you make these videos, I would it, love for you to send them to our Twitter, send them to our DMs, mention us in it, and I would love to watch them. I'm not telling anyone to make them, but if you do happen to do that in lieu of UFC, I would love to watch those and probably retweet them. Josh, another fun show today. Another long weekend ahead of us with no sports, not much to watch on TV besides reruns and horse tournaments. But uh, I am looking forward to starting the 2016 finals game one. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to going through that playoff series, starting with game one. I, I think it's going to be a great time for us. Be able to just reminisce on some of the great, great series in sports. Yeah, and if you if you didn't hear a few episodes ago, you can find those games um, on the NBA app. Um, download it on your smart TV or on your Fire Stick, whatever you have. Download the NBA app. Um, create an account; it's free, and they have a free NBA League Pass until the end of the hiatus. So you can go on there, watch any of the final series in the past twenty years. Watch the uh, watch Game One of the twenty sixteen Finals either before before the pod drops, during the pod, after the pod, whatever you want. Just uh, let us know when you're listening and how you're listening and when you're watching. Yeah, definitely. And uh, definitely remember to uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. We definitely appreciate We definitely appreciate it. And this has been a great episode. Hey, thanks, Keller. It's good to see you, bud. Yep. Later, Josh. Oh, and I am excited uh, for these for these Zoom sessions. It's good to actually see your face when we're doing this. I'm enjoying this a lot. Definitely. I can't wait to get a guest on here.